Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. In this how-to episode, we will look at the commands of God to ask, seek, and knock, and get a deeper understanding about why God demands this of us. What are the benefits when we do, and what is lost when we don't? Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says, Ask and keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who keeps on asking receives, and he who keeps on seeking finds. And to him who keeps on knocking, it will be opened. There are three commands in this verse. A command is a clear, directive language. It is not a suggestion, but a strong step God wants you to take. There are three commands in Matthew 7, 7, and 8. Ask, seek, and knock. They are both commands and conditions for promises. The promise when you ask is that you will receive. The promise when you seek is that you will find. And the promise when you knock is that the door will be open to you. There's also another condition in this verse. It is to keep on. This is a condition of persistence. We will look at all of this in greater detail in this episode. Notice that ask, seek, and knock are addressing three different senses. Asking is verbal. Christians are to use their mouths to petition God for needs and desires. Believers are to seek with their minds. This involves fixing your eyes on God's priority and focusing on His heart. To knock involves taking an action. Asking, seeking, and knocking show an act of partnership. The word for ask in the Bible is ahitio, which means to petition or request something. But what are we to ask for? 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, This is the remarkable degree of confidence which we as believers are entitled to have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, that is consistent with his plan and purpose, he hears us. And if we know for a fact, as indeed we do, that he hears and listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted to us the request which we have asked from him. God wants us to ask according to his will. When we begin with his desires and not ours, we are agreeing with God's will. When you pray God's will, you're agreeing with his desires and he cannot deny himself. Listening and obeying God are two minimum requirements for him to do what he promises. When you ask for something according to God's will, he, and you meet his conditions, he must grant it. If we are honest with ourselves, our prayers can look more like us asking for things we want from God from our perspective. But God is not a genie to give us the wishes of our heart's desires. He wants us to align with his desires. So what happens when we ask according to our desires? James 4.3 says, You ask God for something and do not receive it, because you ask with wrong motives, out of selfish or unrighteous agendas, so that when you get what you want, you may spend it on your own hedonistic desires. Lessons from God are loving discipline that will help you grow closer to Him. Going your way takes longer, is more painful, and more stressful. When you begin your prayers from your perspective, he will often answer your prayer, no. His refusal is likely because your prayer is not his will. 
Remember, he's the omni-god who knows everything, including what is in your best interest at all times. You may think this job is the best thing for you, but God has better plan. Or he may say no because you're not ready for his best blessings. Many pray to win the lottery because they assume that getting rich will solve their problems. Winning the lottery when you are not fully surrendered to God can be a curse. God often answers self-focused prayers with grow. You may need to mature in your faith before being ready to receive this prayer's answer. There may be some life lessons you need to learn, and He has other plans for you in the meantime. Often, prayers that you're praying that you know for a fact are inside the will of God will be answered yes, because you are praying God's ideal prayers, not your own, and you are meeting a condition to have that prayer be answered. Praying this way indicates that you are ready for God's blessing. However, sometimes God answers these prayers slow because there are other people or circumstances which will affect the answer. The timing for answered prayers is God's. Many complicated factors must line up for a yes right now. So we may not understand why things take so long, but God is never late. And we need to trust him in all areas because he is trustworthy and true. You must be able to know God's will in order to be able to ask according to it. So what are some of the priorities of God? What kinds of prayers does God want you to pray for and ask for? Prayers connected to salvation, discipleship, that is growing in your faith, healing, which includes freedom from all bondages. God wants to capture the hearts of all the people He wants people to choose him and to pray in agreement with the scriptures that guide us and that address the areas of our life that we need help to move closer to God with. Ask God to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Ephesians 1, 15-17 says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I always pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation that gives you a deep and personal and intimate insight into the true knowledge of Him, for we know the Father through the Son. Ask for God to enlighten the eyes of the hearts of all believers. Ephesians 1, 18 and 19 says, And I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being, may be enlightened, flooded with the light by the Holy Spirit, so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, God's people. And so you will begin to know what the immeasurable and unlimited and unsurpassing greatness of his active spiritual power is in us who believe. These are in accordance to the working of his mighty strength. Pray to know the hope of his calling, know the riches of his glory and the inheritance of the saints and the surpassing greatness of his power for those who believe. He wants people to grow in faith and reflect his truth and love with boldness and know our authority in Christ. Ask for God to open a way for yourself to go and do ministry somewhere 1 Thessalonians 3, 10, and 11 says, We continue to pray night and day most earnestly 
that we may see you face to face and may complete whatever may be imperfect and lacking in your faith. Now may God our Father himself and Jesus our Lord guide our steps to you by removing any obstacles that stand in your way. Here's an example of Paul praying a prayer that asks God to bless and make successful a particular area of service. Romans 5.31 And pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in, in Judea, and that my service in Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, the Jewish believers there. Ask for boldness when you speak on behalf of the gospel. Ephesians 6.19 says, And pray for me that words may be given to me when I open my mouth to proclaim boldly the mystery of the good news of salvation. God wants us to ask for people to be healed and delivered. Jeremiah 33.6 Behold, I will bring it healing and health and I will heal them, and I will reveal to them an abundance of peace, prosperity, security, stability, and truth. And Psalm 147.3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Psalm 23.3 says, He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Let's talk now about seeking God. Why is seeking important? The word for seek in the Bible is bakash, it means to search by supplication and prayer. To seek means to look with the eyes of your heart. We are directed to seek God by fixing our eyes on Jesus. Jeremiah 29:13 and 14 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. God commands us to seek him. He longs to be found. And the more you fix your eyes on Jesus, the more he fixes his eyes back on you. God's transformational power flows where his eyes are gazing. 1 Corinthians 13:12 says, For now in this time of imperfection, we see in a mirror dimly, a blurred reflection, a riddle, an enigma. But then, when the time of perfection comes, we will see reality face to face. Now I know in part, just in fragments, but then I will know fully, just as I have been fully known by God. God sought you first. The very first act of creation was one of pursuit. He created us so that we could know him. We seek God because he's invited us to do so. Knowing God is a privilege paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ's sacrifice. We seek him through prayer, scripture reading, worship, and fellowship encounters. In seeking God, we come to know him better, and we bring him glory. The word for knock in the Bible is cruo. It means to strike or bang until you gain admittance. Doors are entryways from one room to another. When open, they provide access to another room. When closed, they are barriers. To knock on a door is to request access. Thank God that Jesus' finished work on the cross gave us the right to knock on the door, and Jesus will open it when you knock. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door of the church and continually knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him, restore him, and he with me. To knock continually is to persist to be allowed into God's presence. It is the heart's desire to abide in Christ to be where God is, and to bring heaven down to earth. 
the door opens to the spiritual realm of God. Luke 12.36 says, Be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast, so that when he comes back and knocks, they may immediately open the door for him. God persistently knocks on the door of your heart too. So pray for the openness and increased sensitivity to the Spirit so that you will realize when he's knocking and you can open your heart to him. When Jesus said, knock and the door will be open to you, he is using this metaphor to show us the action that the desire produces. If a person needs something from someone behind the door, the most natural thing to do is knock. And to keep on knocking until the door is open shows your real intention for the desire to be met. In the same way, the believer should pray in faith for God's provision and be persistent in prayer. Keep on persistence. The word for persistence is prokateresis. It means steadfast endurance. And the only occasions of it showing up in the Bible are connected with prayer. Ephesians 6.18 says, With all prayer and petition, pray with specific requests at all times, on every occasion, and in every season, in the Spirit. And with this in view, stay alert with all perseverance and petitions, interceding in prayer for all God's people. The at all times and on every occasion are absolute words that mean that your life should be a persistent prayer. This is what praying without ceasing means. Your life becomes a consistent prayer when your lifestyle choices align with God's will. The only way to do that is to ask, seek, and knock for more of Jesus, spending time in God's word and discerning his will through abiding. Why is asking, seeking, and knocking so important to God? This is what he had to say about it. Asking, seeking, and knocking is a prayer process for communion with me that facilitates a lifestyle of abiding. You ask for my will, seek me with all your heart for the answers of how to align with it, knock persistently to engage me to fulfill it with you. These are the steps to a life that is a prayer to me. It is how to accomplish the mandate in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 that just simply says, pray without ceasing. The Bible word for pray is prasyukomahi, and it means literally to interact with the Lord by switching human wishes or ideas for his desires as he imparts faith, divine persuasion. The word for without ceasing is ad e Aleptos, and it means properly nothing left between without any unnecessary interval time gaps, incessantly without remission. This would look like surrendering your days and moments of your life in constant communion with God. So to make your life a prayer to God, it is asking, seeking, and knocking by a lifestyle. That means making your decisions and getting your wisdom and understanding the world directly from God. 1 Corinthians 2, 15 and 16 says, But the spiritual man, the spiritually mature Christian, judges all things, questions, examines, and applies what the Holy Spirit reveals. 
yet is himself judged by no one. The unbeliever cannot judge the understanding of the believer's spiritual nature. For who has known the mind and purposes of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ to be guided by his thoughts and purposes. This is what Jesus had to say about that. I sent the Holy Spirit for this very purpose. You don't need to wonder what I would do when you allow the Holy Spirit to make it clear. When I resurrected and sent you the Holy Spirit, it was so that you would have me inside of you as your guide so that you can know the Father's will and obey it. This verse in 1 Corinthians shows that no man can understand the scriptures apart from the Holy Spirit. You will always misinterpret the word if you try to understand it from your own limited understanding and not from my omniscience. It is not only possible to know what I would do. It's simple. This is what you learn how to do in this podcast, how to experience Jesus. What is the danger of a secondhand interpretation? Well, Satan knows the word of God better than you do, and he also knows how to manipulate it. My pastor taught a sermon about this a few weeks ago. He said that Satan can manipulate the word by twisting it using verses out of context. And one of his favorite things to do is offer you something you don't realize you already have. To Eve, he said, you will be like God. But God said that he created us in his image. To Jesus, Satan promised to give him all the nations if he would bow to him. Jesus already had the nations. He's God. To the world, Christianity is not inclusive enough. But God says, I'm not willing for any to perish. This means that God's will and desire is for everyone. But not all roads lead to your destination on earth. And the same is true in spiritual matters. If you are not regularly in the word of God, meditating on it and asking the Holy Spirit to interpret it, you won't recognize when the word is being twisted and when it is true. In the How to Become a High Fruit Bearing Christian episode, I shared what the Lord had to say about 11 things that high fruit bearing Christians have in common. I will link that episode below if you're curious about all 11, but two of them are relevant to this topic, so I'll share them again here. Fruit bearing Christians had lifestyles of abiding and surrender that led to fruit-bearing signs, wonders, and miracles, exercising the power of the living God every day of their lives. That means that when you live this ask-seek-knock lifestyle where your life is a prayer, you can expect to see signs, wonders, and miracles as an everyday life occurrence. What did Jesus have to say about that? To have a lifestyle of abiding is not to put me in a box. You cannot have some aspects of me in your life and not others. When you are with me 24-7, it is impossible not to see me 24-7. Living with me leads to a life of great expectancy. When you live with the intimacy of the Holy of Holies, there are no natural limitations. When you understand that you will live a life that simply expects me to be who I am. This level of abiding brings you straight into my presence, my glory, and my anointing. Abiding leads naturally to signs, wonders, and miracles. You don't need to seek those signs or gifts. They come for the ride as side effects of my presence. The more you see me, the more others will see me in you. 
exercising my power will be become part of who you are. You're simply acting in agreement with your inheritance as my child, my bride, my heir, my friend, my masterpiece and ambassador, among other things. And the other one I wanted to share from the top high-performing fruit-bearing Christians list from the Lord is that the high fruit-bearing Christians purposed in their spirit to give God all and to remove self from the equation. To purpose in your spirit is to make a heart decision that your actions would align up with what you believe to be true. Here's what Jesus had to say about that. Removing self is a process of onion layers. Self issues pop up in so many areas of life. Self-consciousness is essentially the fear of man's reaction, needing approval of others and caring more about that than my approval. Self-effort is when you think you don't need me. This is a pervasive problem and I find people praying to me only when all else fails. The lie of self-sufficiency is a lie of unneed. Believing that you don't need me has led many lives down the road to destruction. Selfishness is when you care more about your own wants and above the needs of others, and more importantly, the desires of my will. Selfishness is actually the opposite of love because it forsakes me. Self-promotion is rooted in ego. It's essentially serving yourself. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve yourself and me. To purpose in your spirit to give me all is to decide with your will to agree with me that it's always in your best interest to give me your best because I am the Omni-God. I know everything, see everything, and have sovereign control over everything, and I'm always love. It's acknowledging with your life decisions that I have Jeremiah 29 11 plans for you and that there's no better person to trust with your life than me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. If this is your first podcast experience with us, you may want to go back to the trailer episode and learn about the biblical foundation for dialogue journaling, our process for experiencing Jesus. This leads you through the first special place encounter with Jesus as a child. This is a starting point for all of our experiences with Jesus. For best results, it is always good to properly posture your heart for your experience by welcoming Jesus' presence with praise and thanksgiving and playing with him in the special place as a child for a few minutes before asking for anything from him. After you have properly postured your heart with Jesus and played with him as a child in the special place for a while, Ask the Lord to show you a glimpse of a day in your life lived out as a asking and seeking and knocking prayer to the Lord. And then, after he's given you the glimpse, ask him what specific lifestyle choices would you need to make so that you could become a person who can live that abiding lifestyle. Take all the time you need and captured the whole thing in your journal. Well, I trust that Jesus gave you some specific things in your life that you can work on and make sure that you are living a life that is a prayer to the Lord. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it. And check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.